Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing Romancing the Duke by Tessa Dare. This came out in 2014 and is the first book in the Castles Ever After series. So before we get to the book jacket, I just wanted to let you guys know that part of the reason we are reviewing this book is because we were planning on reviewing The Bride Bet, which sadly, um, the publication date was postponed until right now. It's until February of 2021. That's the tentative publication date. So we were extremely excited for the culmination of the the Duchess deal. No, the what's the name of that? The something Girl Duke. Meets Duke. They all have Duke in them. The Girl Meets Duke series. Yes. So we're really excited for the culmination of the Girl Meets Duke series, which will now not culminate until next year. So what we said was, you know what? We haven't done all of the Castles Ever After books, so let's do the Castles Ever After series, and then we'll get our fill of Tessa Dare. Bottom line is we were both so disappointed that we wouldn't be reading a new Tessa Dare release that we both just started reading a lot of Tessa Dare. And yeah. when we're reading the same romance novels, we put them on the podcast. So 100%, the next two weeks are just going to be the Castles Ever After series. So That's what we wanted to do. And it will include a re-release, so just a heads up that there will be one repeated episode. Yeah. All right, let's get into the jacket. As the daughter of a famed author, Isolde Ophelia Goodnight grew up on tales of brave knights and fair maidens. She never doubted romance would be in her future, too. The storybooks offered endless possibilities. And as she grew older, Izzy crossed them off. One by one by one. Ugly duckling turned swan? Abducted by a handsome highwayman? Rescued from drudgery by charming prince? No, no, and... <laughs> now Izzy's given up yearning for romance. She'll settle for a roof over her head. What fairy tales are left over for an impoverished 26-year-old woman who's never even been kissed? This one. Okay, so from this jacket, you would think fairy tale Lane is going to be all over this. I was disappointed. Yeah, I was. I don't think I would say I was disappointed. I wasn't disappointed by this book. Tessa Dare's books are very often like very fluffy. I mean, that's what her books are. They're like super fluff. And. This book lived up to that for me. So I'm going to be honest. I'm not disappointed that I read it. Is it my favorite Tessa Dare? Probably not. But I enjoyed it, though. It. This is shocking coming for me. It leaned a little too hard into the fairy tale, and the ending was so absurd. I, you know what? At that point, I was like, eh, we're going to go for it. We're going to do the whole thing. So... As usual, we wrote our own summaries. Oh, by the way, overall, good book jacket. Tessa Dare's book jackets are always great. I think we've Her just book jackets are always them. amazing. I'd like, I, 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 don't, I can't remember one that I was like, this is bad. I remember there was one that were like, not up to Tessa Dare standards, but that still meant it was really good. <laughs> Look, we usually think hers are pretty good. So we tried to write our own, and this week, the random number is 27. So why don't you start with this one, Lane? What if Amy from Gone Girl was nice and sane? Izzy hits rock bottom before she's willed a castle, but there's a hermit-wounded duke inside. Nice. All right, here's mine. 
it's important to differentiate fantasy from reality. For example, reality is inheriting a castle, moving in, and falling for the hot rich dude who also lives there. Reality. That's, that is Izzy's reality. I mean, wait. Yeah. <laughs> okay, trope number one, scars. Yeah, he's got a gnarly scar over his face that has partially blinded him. And also gives him, like, really bad migraines sometimes. Once. Well, they it was once in the book, but he says that it happens. So, I'm taking his word for it. Okay. Oh, I mean, is blindness a trope? No. I don't think it's a trope, but he's blind. Sort of. Uh, he believes that love doesn't exist and romance such, doesn't exist. Such a trope. Because of his daddy issues. And she also has daddy issues, but they're different daddy issues. Yeah, her daddy issues stem from the fact that she is a woman writer who couldn't publish and so published under her father's name. And he took he took credit for all of her work. Mr. Impossible, anyone. Mm-hmm. This is kind of on the basis of that, that she's really a writer. To a degree, this is a book about writing. She describes everything in prose, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But it's, there are, there are I mean, yes, that, that is what happens in this book. Yeah. You know what? I'm not even going to qualify it. Yes, that happens in this book. He figures out her secret, you know, the secret being that she's the author, without her telling him. And, of course, we all know that that means true love and they connect on a really deep level well and they also really bond over their dead moms they do they do bond over their dead moms and there is a servant it's his servant who's like super faithful and like really supports him and does everything he can but why does he do that not because he's like a faithful servant but because he made a promise on the deathbed of the Duke's mother. Yep. There's a lot of like oath stuff going on. He had a broken engagement. He had a broken engagement. And then there is a lot of forced proximity, both because they're stuck in the castle, but then also because there's like a secret passage in the castle. So there's a lot of forced togetherness, which as you know, we approve. That's right. I, look, that part, I don't think Lane had a problem with any of those parts of the book. I didn't really have a problem with anything in this book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, the the book starts, as Lane's summary points out, the book starts where when Izzy is at total, complete rock bottom, she has, what, like three more shillings in her purse, and um, her jerk cousin inherited everything from her father. And the issue with that, the major issue, of course, is that all the money that her father had was made on her back. So she's the one who wrote all of it. She's the one who earned all the money, but now she can't take advantage of it. I mean, this is a very, it's not a subtle metaphor for women's labor, but that didn't bother me. I loved it. We've just spoiled the biggest thing, which is that Izzy is actually the author. But honestly, if you don't figure that out, like she's real broke. And actually, the only way she's been getting by prior to being willed this castle uh, post her father's death is 
staying with fans of her father's books who are invariably disappointed that she looks nothing like the little girl in the story. Yeah. So here's the part, here is a part of the book that I have heard people have issues with. And it's that Izzy is, Izzy believes that she's plain. She has super frizzy dark hair and she's kind of scrawny. Um, supposedly, although she also has big boobs. So, you know, super, super scrawns. Um, and he's blind. So he doesn't know that she's not hot. And I've had people be like, really, really? You had, she, this plain heroine had to fall in love with a blind hero because he didn't see that she wasn't hot. Mm -hmm. But it honestly didn't bother me at all. <laughs> Did I love the prior to being blind when I was still a vain idiot child, I only dated curvy well, blonde <laughs> but now that i'm uh, i've been forced to grow uh, grow up following my harrowing escape from death i realize that brunettes are hot too <laughs> i don't know I mean, look i'm not it saying that it was this great whole thing was so fantastical that i yeah did i think it was like a good thing no did i think it was being presented as acceptable or normal also, <laughs> but the the thing is too, or maybe not too, but I feel what I one of the things I liked about it is that Izzy has never felt um, womanly or attractive. But some of that is because she's been infantilized her entire yes. life by people hoping she's a little girl. Exactly. I was going to say I think it's less about her looks. Mm -hmm. And more about the role that she has, that she feels that she must play, which is of this little girl, heroine of these beloved children's stories. Right. Um, and so I, I don't think it has to do with her actual appearance. I mean, none of us know what her actual appearance is, except that, you know, like she, she says she's plain, but no one else says that she's plain. But she thinks she's so hideous that by virtue of dating her, people will know he's blind. <laughs> yes, but like, this is obviously not the case. She doesn't think she's, like, moderately unattractive. She thinks she's, like... Hideous. So hideous that everyone who sees them together will question his sanity. Yeah. So, like, we're not talking about a normal level of insecurity here, which is why it's kind of easy for me to brush it off. Well, yes, that's the other, that's the other thing. Um, okay, so one of the things that Tessa Dare does in this book that I really liked, and I think maybe, I don't know if you liked it or not, Lane, but she does this really amazing send up of like geek culture and like fandom, like what does it mean to be, to do cosplay and stuff like that? Because basically the books that, Izzy, Izzy's father wrote the, the Good Night Tales or whatever they're called are so popular that there are groups around the country who become knights and basically do like reenactments. It's like, it's like a Renaissance fair or something, like a traveling Renaissance fair. Or it's like a like combination a, of a traveling Renaissance fair and LARPers. They're like LARPers, but it's also like um, like the Starfleet cruise. 
you know, like the people who get together dressed as Klingons to play baseball. No, I've never heard of that before. Okay, I'm gonna have to do some Googling. Do some Googling. Watch the movie Trekkies. Like, I'm not kidding. It's a really good movie. Okay. Um, and you, I think you will recognize the people that she's sending up. Okay. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I, I, exi- I personally exist on the periphery of this culture. <laughs> I'm well, not like also, full blown. It's not <laughs> subtle at all. He even says, basically, I was your bully in high school. But now I'm prostrate before you because I recognize you're cool in your own way. It's the least subtle thing in the oh, entire world. And there's even like the Star Wars dig, which is so I've funny. I've never even seen all the Star Wars movies and I still caught this. It was so funny. So my guess, you guys, is that Tessa Dare is a Star Trek fan and not a Star Wars fan. But just saying. <laughs> Can't you like both? I mean, you can, but, like, you usually gravitate towards one or the other. Okay. but So there's a scene where she, uh, when her father died, obviously the stories were not finished. They were left. On a literal her- cliffhanger. Literal cliffhanger. Literal cliffhanger, which, like, thanks to there. Amazing. And the solution that Izzy had planned that she'd never executed was for the grand villain to be revealed as a relative of the main hero, a la Darth Vader and Luke. And then speculation was that the main hero and the main heroine might end up being brother and sister. Well, and that's, she was like, that's what Ransom oh says. He's like, he's like, what, are they going to end up being brother and sister? And she's like, ew, gross, they've kissed. And he's like, it wasn't a real kiss, it was a peck. And she was like, no, 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 it was a romantic kiss. That'd be effed up. And I was like, <laughs> Luke and Leah. <laughs> <laughs> like, totally, yes. Yes. So good. Uh, one of the things I really did like about this book is that I felt like Tessa Dare did a good job describing how he perceives the world with his blindness. Even before anybody utters the word, he thinks in paces. He describes things as how far they are to the left or right of another object. Like, everything is oriented in, like, the space in his mind in a very deliberate way. Yeah. And I, 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 think I, thought, she, I think she really thought about that before she crafted his character and his dialogue. And frankly, I like that she gave him limited sight mm-hmm. just because I think, you know, it's very hard to really get in the head of a completely blind person. Mm-hmm. And so having him be able to respond to his face somewhat prevented her from like coming off as offensive. Yeah. In a way, yeah. like she didn't give a blind person abilities that they wouldn't necessarily have that she'd have no way of knowing whether they had or not. Yeah. I just I thought she did a really good job with it. I, I, that okay. said, that like, liking his perception of blindness, I felt like his characterization was a bit inconsistent. Like mm-hmm. he really did flash hot and cold on the way he treated her. He did. I agree. And decisions he was making in a way that I didn't feel like made a whole lot of sense. And she was a little bit too perfect. But like I have one glaring flaw in the case of her, it's her fear of the dark. She's, she is, in my opinion, like the geek's perfect woman. Like endless patience. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I just, a lot of the characterization felt thin, especially for Dare. Yeah, because she usually does. Yes, her books are light and fluffy and fun. But she usually does a really good job of getting giving you characters that you believe and that's why you like the fluffy, fun, over-the-topness is because you believe in these characters. And some of that is she generally does a pretty good job giving her characters 
rich exterior lives as well as rich interior lives. And by virtue of the plot of this one being they are literally trapped in a castle alone together, you don't get that. And she sort of tries to shoehorn it in with his servant who's like a parental figure and this random villager named Amelia who I think served absolutely no purpose in the plot. No, I don't think she served. She did not serve. She was not there as a plot device. She was just there. I don't know why. Like, I really don't have to, I, I did not understand the point of including her. Yeah. And she has like her own beep romance with a. With a knight. Guy in Anglia. The LARP army. And I just, every time she was on the page, I was like, nope, don't care. Yeah. She, yeah. I, I didn't care about her so much. I think your point is really interesting in the fact that they're separated from the world. And I think the other issue with it is that she is not only separated from the world, but she also, when she goes out and like hangs with her fans, she doesn't feel like she can even have her own character. Like they can't differentiate again. You have to differentiate fantasy for reality. She's not doing it. So she's playing a role 24 seven, except with ransom. And granted, she's doing it because it puts food on the table, not out of some like misguided inability to perceive reality versus fiction. Oh, she knows what the difference is, but it's she blurs the line purposely. Yeah. So. Um, so offensiveness, I honestly think the only thing we could have mentioned was the um, the fact that she's plain and he's blind. But I was not offended by that. I mean, his childhood was definitely full of emotional abuse, so trigger warning. Yeah, and like, well, and, yeah, and and hers was to an extent as well, actually. Yeah, his was a little more explicit, for sure. Um, she was loved by an incapable parent. Yeah, he was not loved, and like we already talked about, they're both very vain. And if you're sensitive to people's looks being a priority in their character development, then this probably won't be your cup of tea. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to what is usually a Tessa Dare strength, sexiness. I mean, it's sexy. It's I sexy. Didn't, I didn't think it was Tessa Dare sexy. So things that worked for me. I liked that she's literally this perceived adorable author of children's bedtime stories and they are so explicit in the way they talk to each other I loved it I actually totally found this very plausible believable loved this part of her character that she's like look part of the reason that I'm attracted to you is that you don't treat me like this little girl that you actually see me as a temptress or as a desirable woman and you don't you don't um guard your language around me either and so that leads him to talk really dirty to her mm -hmm. and it also leads her because she does have a way with words to say mm -hmm. some pretty like the way they talked to each other may have been hotter than the sex scenes it's possible come to think of it definitely possible i will say though tessa dare as we've talked before her endings are always over the top and we usually end up split on like some of them were like yes and others were like all right that went a little too far one of the major sex scenes and this happens at a time that I just it like really doubled down on the over the topness of this one for me it, it was pretty ridiculous honestly my only problem with this sex scene was that it wasn't explicit enough 
it was it wasn't explicit but also like plot wise i this is one of the things where i say their characters were inconsistent yeah i didn't really buy that either of them would have thought this was the time or place yeah but i, I and i i believe you but that's not what detracted for me that's all i'm saying is that if it had been like super sexy i would have been like yeah get it on right there do it right if it had been explicit enough to make up for the improbability of it yeah i probably wouldn't be complaining but it was (laughs) improbable and not that explicit that so didn't quite work for you (laughs) Um, like it was it was sexy it was real and like when he is being nice to her it's very romantic yeah that's a giant caveat yeah I I I think we're just about done, but I, I just remembered something that really cracked me up when I read it this time. And it was that, so Izzy's like super scared of the dark. She's like really scared mm-hmm. of the dark. It's her and, one flaw. Hmm? It's, it's her, her one flaw. flaw. Yes. And to get on her good side, like to make, not to get on her good side, but to, to make her feel good, to, to let her know that he appreciates her. And he to get still, her to stay in her room in the morning. To get her to stay in her room. Um, but in a, in a nice way, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though he says it's mean, it's, it's not mean, um, because he wants her to sleep in, you know, he fills her room with candles and like lights them up. So like uh, every available surface is just covered in candles. And I was just like, number one, fire hazard. But number two, it just made me think so much about the bachelor or the bachelorette, <laughs> because like that is. That is the signifier of romantic sexiness is the fact that there are candles everywhere. And if there that, had also been rose petals, I would have been done. I was laughing. I, it really hit me this time. It just cracked me up so much. And I think maybe that's the other issue too. It's like Tessadere is very, very funny. And she's also very, very sexy. But usually not both at the same time. <laughs> this this scene like was cracking me up and it was supposed to be really sexy and I didn't I was like I don't know what I'm supposed to feel right now <laughs> yeah um also just because there was no better place to say this there's a little bit of beauty and the beast in this one too yeah I mean in case you were wondering also, a scarred grizzled man who's removed himself from society in the highest most remote castle and a beautiful woman comes and saves him from himself and turns him back from a beastly hermit into a man yes but oh my god I'm so, I can't believe I didn't mention this earlier so he's got the scar across his face he's super hot the real issue though is that he looks just like the hero in her book And it's not touched on in the text, but I was thinking, I think it would have been, I wish she had mentioned that she was like, oh, he is my fantasy come to life. Like, I would have loved that. But she didn't. Yep. She's just like the other people's. He is just the other people's fantasies because the the LARPers come and they all see him and they think that he's also LARPing. <laughs> yeah, I got this horrible scar just to LARP. Yeah, well, they were like, they were, like, but the thing that was funny is they're like, yeah, of course she's living here with him. He is all Rick. <laughs> I love, like, also, there isn't very much panic over people are going to think we're living in sin together because it's like, no, everyone who finds them just thinks that, like, they're from her fairy tale stories and they're all like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. 
And so, like, on the one hand, I really liked that. I just wish, I do wish that they had gone a little more, well, that they, that Tessa Dare had doubled down on the, like, yeah, that's why they think it. And, um, yeah, maybe I do think you're extra hot because you are the fantasy that I've been writing for myself since I was 12 years old. Nine, even. Nine years old. She was young when she started it. Yeah. They started getting published when she was 13, but they don't tell you when she started writing them. Yeah. Anyway, I... I mean, it's a a dare read it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, this is... Look, is this the best Tessa Dare you'll ever read? No. Is it a Tessa Dare? Yes, it is. Is there any reason to skip it? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, we we have nothing else to say, guys. (laughs) Thank you for listening.